What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. When in a relationship where it's hot and it's cold, it's yes or it's no, you have to ask yourself, when's a good time to just walk away? Well, I don't know the answer, but what I do know is definitely before the murder. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Streaming October 6th on Paramount Plus. First place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something's talking through him. Sometimes dead. Is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. Our players this week are Michael Buchanan, Sean's friend, Monique Doss, Sean's friend and Michael's girlfriend, Sean Washington, Adrian's boyfriend, our victim, and Adrian Hickson, our murderess. Adrian Emily Hickson was born in December of 1981 in Aiken, South Carolina. Her dad, Sharon Hickson, was a dentist and he had his own practice. And her, and her mom, Yvonne, was a middle school principal. She also had her doctorate, so both her parents had PhDs. So she came from an extremely well-educated family. They were upper middle class. They were also extremely loving family. So economically, they were fine, loving <laughs> They love they each what other. you they call doing... they did well for themselves. They did well. She had an older sister and a younger brother. Um, before she was born, though, she also had an older brother, but he died in a car accident when he was only six years old. And then all of a sudden, like her mom finds out that she's pregnant and she's having a baby, and it was Adrian. And he, her dad said that Adrian was the answer to his prayers. Like after her brother passed away, he like prayed and was asking God for like a daughter and somebody and Adrian came and he said they got, God sent her as the answer. So she was a daddy's girl. He doted on her. She loved him. He loved her. Anything in the world that she wanted, he made happen. So her older sister became a doctor at the Mayo Clinic. And Adrian, she also had dreams of success for herself as well. She wanted to become a lawyer. She looked at the prison system as like a broken system. And she was constantly looking at how black men were con- locked up continuously. She wanted to find a way to help folks that were abused by the system, which we all do, of course. So She graduated from high school with honors, and then she followed in her father's footsteps and went to the Tennessee State University in 1981. Shout out to the HBCUs. That is where she met Sean Washington. 
Shannon was born on September 18, 1981, and was also fresh on the campus of TSU. He was raised by a single mother, Karen Sewell, and went to Central High School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was raised completely different from Adrian. His mom worked hard to keep food on the table. They were in income-based housing, and he grew up in the streets. He never really met his father until he was 13 years old, and when his dad came back, he came back with a junior. Uh, uh, Isaac Washington, another another son. Um, his dad had just went and remarried, like started a new family, and was just like, "All right, I, I guess I'm gonna roll back around." <laughs> you two should right. meet. I guess and never did until he was 13. Right. Sean and Isaac were fairly close in age when they met, and they clicked right off the bat. His father spoke to him and apologized how he wasn't around when he was younger, and it really seemed like, and it really seems like they put like a lot of work into their relationship, like. Once his dad came back, he was ready to step up and, and be a father. Mm-hmm. I guess he had enough practice with Isaac. He was committed. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sean wasn't necessarily a bookworm, but what he lacked in the classroom, he definitely made for, up for in the basketball court. And basketball is how he found himself on the campus of Tennessee State University. So Adrian was fresh meet on campus, and she was also fresh out of a long-term relationship from high school. But this wasn't a good relationship. Her ex-boyfriend, according to her parents, were uh, verbally and physically abusive. So her parents were like, great, she's going to college out of state. We don't have to worry about this horrible boyfriend anymore. Like, she's off to do better things. But those two met. Sean and Adrian. And when they got together, oh, the love was really real. They fell in love very quickly and um Sean Sean spoiled Adrian he would buy her whatever she wanted they would go to dinner they would hit the clubs he doted on her kind of like how her dad kind of spoiled her that's how Sean was spoiling her and she expected it she liked what she liked and she wanted that nigga to provide it for her and he did though the love was strong between them there were there were cracks in the relationship and it was starting to show and one of those cracks cracks in the relationship was that Sean was starting to hang out with the rough crowd at school you know that sold weed and got in trouble and Adrian was like 100% against the use of marijuana she's a lawyer to be she didn't want anything to do with it she didn't want him smoking it she didn't want him selling it and in that area I guess around that area of Nashville anyways I saw this YouTube video. She was like, in Nashville, where it is, it's really close to the hood. She was like, it's a great school, but I just, great statistics from that school, but like, it's in a rough area. And it just, I know you don't know this because you didn't go to HBCU, but like, I was going to say, aren't they always, always? I was just about to say, aren't they always, always? (laughs) It's, I mean, it, even all HBCUs are in the hood. Even in the city. Spellman, all of them. Girl, when I was at Alabama State, you could go right across the street and there's something to see. I was like, no, if we say you go right across the street, there's something to see. <laughs> like, <laughs> we get what we listen. get. <laughs> but the best of the best come out of it, mm-hmm. period. So during this time, they were, they were starting to argue a lot. Sean was showing signs of being like extremely possessive of Adrian. He would question her. He was like, where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you who you calling with? He was accusing her of cheating, and she was not having him accusations whatsoever. When Adrian graduated in 2001, Sean was still taking classes at TSU and was about a year behind. Just take the time you need to graduate. All that matters is that you finish, you know? Right. Get to the finish line. Get to the finish line. Anywho, in 2001, she packed up and moved to Duluth, <laughs> Duluth Georgia, that is, to prepare for the LSAT. 
this is a test she needed to apply for law school, of course. And she worked as a paralegal while she was down there. Sean was like, all right, where my shorty go, I'm going to. So he packed up his shit and he was like, I guess I'm moving to Duluth. So couldn't find any information of if he transferred schools or was trying to get back into school or was taking a gap year. Not really sure. But when they moved, she was like, okay, all your little friends back in Tennessee, don't bring that wannabe gangster shit to Atlanta. We're going to live a good, clean life. You have to get a job. Like, chill on all of that. We're, make, we're making something of ourselves. We're making good decisions, okay? hmm He, of course, promised that he would leave that shit behind. And when they moved to Georgia, he got a job as a delivery driver for the Flowers Baking Company up in Lilburn. The bread guys are so fucking fun. Like, if you ever work their food, them bread guys that deliver the bread be having way too much they the fun. Best have, they the best have around. I think it's because they just get to pop in and out of the stores and they always know somebody. And if you make the right connection, they might hook you up a little meal, you chit-chat or whatever. <laughs> just for being personable. But that's a good job. What, delivering the bread? Mm-hmm. That's a full-time job with benefits and everything. That's a good... It ain't a bad gig. Not not in them college years at all, bro. That's You finish your route and you done. His, his younger brother, Isaac Jr., also just relocated. That's crazy. I be wondering what be going on to make the second child be the junior. Like, was you not sure you was going to claim the first one? Was your baby mama like, you not doing enough to have a junior? Child, I... Listen, sometimes people got to get themselves together. Mm-hmm. And I just want to believe that that's what his daddy did. It just takes time. I, 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 I guess. I don't know. They had a good relationship. That's all that matters. I, right. But yeah, his his brother Isaac Jr. also had just relocated to Atlanta, and the two were constantly hanging out. Some sources suggested that he was a good influence on Sean because he had a different upbringing than his brother. He had a married household mm-hmm. as opposed to a missing daddy. So this new job was full time. Sean was bringing home a decent check. <laughs> 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 I'm going to leave him alone. My bad. They were happy. Uh, This new job was full-time, and Sean was bringing home a decent little check. He was spending his money on whatever Adrian wanted. And their arguing slowed down significantly since they had moved to Atlanta. They were doing well, and Adrian, she worked extremely hard and found out that she was accepted to law school. Not just any law school. Howard University. So she was doing a thing, right? So their relationship faced a potential new move. But Sean was enjoying Georgia. He had his job. There was benefits. He had a R1K. His brother's there. He's an active member of the church. He's an usher. He played on a church basketball team. Like, this nigga's got a life here, you know? He done made a home for himself. Right. So he decided, listen, Adrian, I can't follow you all over the country. So I'm going to stay here in Georgia. You go do what you got to do in law school. I support you. You go be that lawyer, baby. We just going to do a little long distance thing right now. Uh, Yeah, so when Adrian moved, Isaac moved in with Sean. So it's not like the rent went up super crazy or nothing. And they, they decided that they was going to keep things rocking. You know, they was going to hold each other down. Although Howard is nine and a half hours away, they still made it work so that they could see each other twice a month. And when I mean they, I mean he, because Sean made sure that Adrian had all the money that she needed to purchase her airfare. If she wants to bring her car down, make sure that she had gas, anything that she needed to make sure that she got to be down here two times 
a month. That's what I'm talking about. You do that. So Adrian came to Atlanta on December 17, 2005, after finishing her first semester of her final year in law school. Though coming down to Atlanta during winter break was common for the two, this trip was a little different because long distance had started taking its toll on their relationship. They were back arguing constantly. Adrian was starting to accuse Sean of cheating. The possessiveness that we were seeing from Sean when they were at Tennessee State, like, oh what are you doing where are you going cheating what are you doing now adrian is doing that to sean she's worried about what he's doing where he's at but the deter- the two they were determined to get back on track you know so when sean picks her up when she lands in atlanta he meets her at the airport he got a cake some flowers you know i heard it was an ice cream cake too and that's my favorite uh, it was an ice it was an ice cream cake and i the only thing I don't know why you can't find an episode, the episode of Snap. So I promise <sighs> you, we did not watch the episode of Snap for this ep- for this. But um, Noir Crimes, she was at, She said that the cake said "I love you, Pookie" or something about Pookie. So had the nickname on the ice cream, got mm-hmm, it personalized. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's trying to. He doing it. He's he's trying to get everything back together. Every night they go out. Every night they're having dinner, going to drinks, going to clubs having a good time she's bringing in her 24th birthday just right so while they're down sean gets a call from one of his homeboys from back in tennessee michael buchanan now michael and sean used to run around and get into shit they had no business when they were in tennessee and adrian already said that michael was on the list of folks that she didn't want that nigga hanging out with she didn't approve of him she didn't like him Michael called to tell Sean that him and his girlfriend Monique were moving to Atlanta and asked him if he could come through and help him move. Now, Sean was the type of person that if you call him and he can help out, he's going to help out. So against Adrian's wishes, he helps Michael get a rental car to move. So, like, I get she didn't want them running together, but, like, he's moving. It's moving day. It's moving day. We just, we, we also, got shit to do. But also, she said that she was upset because that was supposed to be, like, her last day in Atlanta. Our time. That's cutting into my time with you. (laughs) That's my last day. It's my last day in Atlanta? No. Listen, she was like, tell that nigga to find somebody else. And he was like, that's my homie. Nah. She was like, oh, so you're going to start running around with Michael again? And you're going to start selling drugs Mm -hmm. and smoking and shit? And I keep telling you, I'm not having all of that, right? And Sean's like, baby, chill. It ain't even like that. So, it's December 21st, 2005. Sean helping this nigga Michael move. And she mad that he left. He left at like 10 o'clock. This is their last day together. Like Mariah said, you know, she about to go back to her family in South Carolina for Christmas. So, she goes to the mall for a little retail therapy. It's her B-Day. She probably had his card. And... She wanted to make sure that she gets the gifts that she feel like she deserves. But, you know... What does she feel like she don't deserve? Her nigga out being with this bad influence, Michael, and and he should be with her. Period. If he wanted to regulate, he should have been there, right? She looks at her clock. Now, remember, he lived around 10. She looked at her clock. It's like 3 p.m. She started blowing up his phone. Where are you out smoking when you coming back? What's going on? So he's blowed. His friend's talking shit, you know, your girl acting up, keep her in line. And so he's like, you know what? Let's just take the rental car and run back to my place real quick. 
She can't say I'm not with her if she with me. And she can't say I'm smoking with my friends if she with me. So that up. Nip that in the bud, yep. Mm-hmm. So they pull up to the apartment and Adrian meets them outside. She's pissed. And Sean and her are causing a huge scene. And Michael and his girlfriend are sitting in the car watching all of this play out. Next thing you know, Michael and Monique see Adrian punches him in the face. Sean is like, oh, hell no. Go get upstairs. Get your shit. Get the fuck out. Sean comes back to the car and he's like, all right, she's going upstairs. I need to make sure that this bitch doesn't trash my house. I'll be back in a second. Which I understand because if a bitch like me get mad, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you trashing that shit. You gonna make some- listen. You not gonna be the only one who's mad. <laughs> okay. Um. So according to the couple in the car, Sean was in the apartment for about ten minutes. He returned to the car with like a blank look on his face, and Michael and Monique didn't realize anything was wrong until Sean got into the car, and then they could tell that he was bleeding through his white shirt. So the couple, oh my goodness, you're bleeding. They lay him down in the backseat. Monique is in the backseat holding his head. And they're like, okay, we're about to run you to Gwinnett Medical. So he says, Adrian stabbed him. They're like, oh, calm down, calm down. We're going to head to the hospital. He's laying there. He's like, I'm gone. I'm gone. He's going in and out of consciousness. He's saying, I'm gone. He's like, no, you ain't gone, bro. Like, keep your head up. Keep talking to me. Hold you know, on, bro. I got hold you. on, hold on. You. We headed there. We headed there. So they try to keep him calm. And Michael ends up calling Sean's brother. So he calls Isaac Jr. And tells isaac jr what happened isaac is at work he said he gets off the phone gets off of work probably just i would just leave i don't know i probably wouldn't even tell anybody i probably just walk the fuck out just run out to the car i don't know so he leaves right like immediately calls his dad heads back to the apartment when he goes to the apartment the apartment door is unlocked at first glance he can't see anything's out of place but there's a chair overturned so he calls adrian she answers the phone and he's like so you just going to stab my brother and leave? And she's like, yeah, crazy. and she's like, I didn't stab your brother. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. So my brother just stabbed himself twice. And she's like, mm, something like that. Hangs up the phone. That's the shit that pissed me off right there. Because <laughs> my nigga in a hospital. Okay. And you talking about some mm, something like that? Like, mm, so... She's in the car headed up 75 going to South Carolina. While she's in the car, she calls her older sister, tells her what happened. And her sister's like, okay, you keep driving. I'm about to call mama and daddy. Calls mama and daddy. They call and they meet halfway at like a rest stop area. So mom, dad meet up with their daughter at a rest stop area halfway between Aiken, South Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia, right? And they call around. I'm not sure if some sources say they went back home, but I think they called home to get called the state of some family friends that they had in the state of South Carolina to get recommendations of lawyers in Georgia. Hired a lawyer in Georgia that day, went to go meet with him. The lawyer- No, I thought the lawyer was a family friend. No. So that's where the discrepancy was because I've only saw one that said family friend, but then I saw that they had to call around. So I think maybe the family friend knew somebody, because you also have to be able to practice in those states. Practice in that state, right? And they live in South Carolina. Right. I couldn't get like- pinpoint definition on that but like they got a lawyer they met with the lawyer in georgia and the lawyer was like all right well you know, the best thing you need to do now is go turn yourself in but here's the thing they went to the da's office instead of down to the police station they so they go to the da's office she says i'm here to turn myself in and they're like um there's no there's no arrest warrant for you darling who are you and they're like okay well she kind of 
you know, that not say too much to her lawyers there. And they say, okay, well, there's no arrest warrant, so you're free to go. But if there's an arrest warrant, you come on back now. <laughs> like, don't forget to come. You back. promise you'll bring. <laughs> promise you'll bring yourself on back. So, her her parents they pack up the cars and they head back to South Carolina. What's going on, killers? I'm so happy that y'all are enjoying the show. Look, Tazzy and I didn't start our own little business with Sisters Who Kill. We had no idea that it was going to flourish the way that it has in less than a year. And I know that you all have businesses as well. So if you want your business advertised on our business, give us a shout at Sisters Who Kill Podcast at gmail.com and we can go ahead and discuss that. Special discount rates for Black female owned businesses. If you want to donate to the show, you can find it in a link in our bio as well as through Cash App, Money Sign. Sisters Who Kill Pod. Thank you and enjoy the show. When Sean arrived at the hospital, he was in He was bleeding internally and doctors worked diligently to find a source of the bleeding to, to stop it. But there was a small puncture that they struggled to find and it nicked like a, it was a tiny nick on a major artery. But by the time they found it, he slipped into a coma. Things were starting not to look so good. And Sean's family was keeping Adrian's family posted. Both families hated what was happening, and they assumed that he would recover. On Christmas Day, things for Sean took a turn for the worse. Sean's dad gave Adrian's dad a call and said, you know, things are looking bad. Adrian just listening and then dramatically grabs her brother's car keys and runs out the house. She gets in the car, and she's headed to Georgia. Her parents get in the car, and they follow her daughter all the way back. Her parents are like, okay, she's going to Gwinnett Medical. We just need to meet her at Gwinnett Medical or whatever, right? Her parents arrive and Sean's family is outside consoling each other. Adrian's not there yet because Adrian first stops at another hospital, walks in, goes to the supply closet, and steals a pair of scrubs. And then it's just like walking around the hospital with them. They say, which I don't get. I don't get it, girl. We've looked at this case and I don't know why you did this but everybody suggested it was because she was probably looking for Sean but why would I you have to sneak in there if the family is in proper communication with you and telling you hey this is going on there's no need to sneak into a room so I don't understand that how are you so distressed that you go to the wrong hospital and what did she do when she realized that she was in the wrong hospital you know I hadn't heard that she was in the wrong hospital but I was damn sure wondering how her family beat her there and her family never saw her in the in said scrubs. hospital scrubs, but the staff from that hospital and there's like I guess there's actual footage like the staff from that is like yeah she was here still in the scrubs and walking around frantically. That's crazy. She stole crazy. She pulls up to Gwinnett Medical and she hears that Sean has passed. She immediately passes out, and some sources say that she fell pretty hard. So her dad scoops her up and he drives her to the other side of the hospital to take her to the emergency room where she's admitted. While in the emergency room, she, quote, caused a scene. They said she ran into the glass hard as fuck. Everybody's saying that she did it on purpose. And so then they put her in a designated quiet room where her family could sit with her. And the police finally got to speak with her because they they haven't spoken to her this whole time because as soon as shit happened, she fled to South Carolina. So they're like, all right, Adrian." Let's figure out what's been going on. And they said, all right, Adrian, you're under arrest. And then in her mugshot, if you look, 
she's in a straight jacket because she was up at that hospital acting crazy which makes me wonder is it a tactic did you be like was you like oh i see this shit coming because she's on her last year of law school right don't know what type of law she's studying i guess law to, to help the niggas incarcerated so it's gonna be i don't know prison reform might have been logic there not not crazy Police talked to Isaac Jr. He was like, you know, the two had their incidents, but overall they had a good relationship, you know. They loved each other. And when asked how he felt about the Hickson family, he said, you can't be mad at the family or anything. Her family loved my brother, which is, that's a big place to be at. Yeah. Because some niggas will shut you out like, fuck yeah, daughter, she just killed my son. I mean, but it sounds like, like they, they kept up with each other really well during this part. I mean, they have been together since their freshman year of college. So that's four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, almost about eight years. Yeah. They, they was, they was family lives. at that point. And then, you know, right. when they come in young like that, it's like. Everybody's work. All the adults are working to mm-hmm. keep them on the right path. Mm-hmm. So they held Sean's funeral right after the new year, and two weeks later, it was Adrian's arraignment. Because of her behavior, she was denied bond, and she was <laughs> deemed as a flight risk. <laughs> I she will was say, charged though, with ma- she returned, right? Yes, she fled. But she returned and turned herself in twice. The first time she, she was charged with manslaughter. In. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Let me don't let me stop you. No, nah, I yourself. mean she 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 fled twice. I mean she fled once, but she turned herself in twice, right? Because first time she turned herself when in. When did she flee? When she stabbed him and left to South Carolina. That's the flight oh, yeah. risk. But when's the second one? That's why I said she she fled once, but she turned herself in twice. Mm-hmm. I guess the second time she didn't necessarily turn herself in. It was like you at the hospital. We're going to arrest yeah, you. And they arrested her. Oh, and she passed out again when she got arrested. Yeah. So all of her behavior. But honestly, when I was looking, when I was typing this up and I was looking at her picture, I had like both screens up. That mugshot, she, other than sitting next to all those other pictures of her, all dressed up nicely, her eyes look so dead. That's a big loss. It's a big. Especially to know you're responsible for mm-hmm. it. Her eyes are dark. She was charged with manslaughter. And she had to get ready for trial. Now, during the trial, all of the witnesses that were available came to testify, all except for Michael Buchanan. Now, Michael wasn't able to testify because he died on December 7th, 2006. He was murdered. Yeah, he was murdered. He was in a... I feel like I shouldn't tell this story because I don't really know it. He was murdered. Yeah. They was robbed. It was some money. A setup, maybe. A setup, maybe. He was a rapper. If you listen to Noir True Crime Files, she'll tell you the story. Yeah, she really goes in depth with it. The prosecution felt like they had a real strong case, you know? The defense is saying that she acted in self-defense, but they kind of go back and forth. How was his self-defense? The prosecution asked if Adrian started the argument in the parking lot and the two niggas in the car watched her punch him in the face. Didn't you start it? So how are you now defending yourself? Right? Mm-hmm. Defense is like, he's put his hands on her before. The couple has a history of domestic violence report with the police. Yada, yada, yada. It could have been anything, right? Uh, 
It was like also Sean was a drug user and abuser. So it's it's likely that niggas who do drugs and sell drugs are violent. That's the stereotype, right? Right. And yeah. then they were also trying to prove that because they were like, how could he afford to do all of these things for Adrian if he wasn't a selling drug drugs? Right. Because you know, like how the IRS is talking about claim your income even from claim illegal your activities. illegal activities. Get the fuck out of my face. Sure. But yeah, it was like Sean got pending drug charges on him right now. Or he had. So it's not even speculating at this point that he's a uh a drug dealer we're saying that he is and then she goes and she was like also to back that up when he says he's going to rent a car that's code for sell some drugs but the nigga was helping the nigga move right he was supposed to be helping that nigga move but she said it was taking too long and he told her that was code moving is not easy no it is not and it feels like shit always happens when you move it always takes longer than you expect so amen <laughs> Um, yeah, so she was like, she went to the parking lot to go break up with this nigga, and that's when Sean lost it, and that's when he snatched her keys away from her, saying that she couldn't leave, and that's why she hit him. From there, they go inside, and she's, like, packing up her shit, like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out of here, but remember, y'all, tell it from Monique's story. Sean, after he got hit, was like, oh, you got to get your shit and go. Right. So, either way you tell it, she was getting her shit and going. That was supposed to be what's happening inside the house, right? So she goes inside. She's the way she tells the story. Understand? She's like, I'm going inside. I'm getting my stuff, and he's following me. And 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 she's going inside to get her stuff. And she says that's when he started beating her or whatever, right? She's so scared and concerned. She's in the kitchen. She just grabs the knife and stabs him until he lets her go. A little one two, right? What? The prosecution argues that the knife from the kitchen was not used in the kitchen. There's no blood splatter in the kitchen, only in the living room. So if he cornered you in the kitchen and you stabbed him in the kitchen, why ain't no blood in the kitchen? Then the prosecution adds on, not only was there no blood in the kitchen, but evidence shows that she was so angry, she continued to try and stab even after Sean was gone because they said there were stab marks in the couch. So they was like, she was just so angry that she was like, ah! just stabbing the couch because he wasn't there no more like just uh, fuck this nigga shit so it was like that's a lot of rage that you got for a nigga who's bleeding leaving your house you know what I'm saying that you were so fearful of but she's still stabbing shit after he left right she says she never meant to kill him she didn't think he was even hurt enough to wind up dead and the prosecution was like you didn't mean to kill him Girl, you left the scene of the crime. You stabbed right. him and went to South Carolina. You didn't give a fuck about this nigga. And she was like, I was removing myself from a bad situation. I wasn't fleeing a crime scene. I was making a smart decision to make sure things didn't escalate any worse. But like, I mean, shit has escalated since he stabbed. Monique gets on the stand and she tells what she saw from the car. And it confirms that Adrian was the aggressor in this argument. So the jury goes out to deliberate, and they deliberate for not one, not two, but for three days, and they come back in a 5-7 deadlock. So they had a hung jury, and with the jury leaning so close to setting Adrian free, the seven of them being for her acquittal, the defense reached out to the DA for a deal. 
and they offered her the Alfred plea. Now, for those of you that don't know, according to, oh shit, I got to pull it up. Now, according to the Cornell Law School, an Alfred plea is also known as a best interest plea. An Alfred plea registers a formal claim neither of guilt nor innocence towards charges brought against the defense in criminal court. Like the no contest plea, an Alfred plea arrests the full process of criminal trial because the defendant, typically only with the court's permission, accepts all the ramifications of a guilty verdict i.e. punishment, without first attesting to having committed the crime. The name Alfred Plea is from uh, North Carolina versus Alfred. So she just no-load a murder. Y'all have enough evidence against me to convict me? I don't want to say that I did it. I just got to take this. And so I wonder that's what, that what she did. for your record. Like, Well, she only got sentenced to five years for good behavior. She got out early. She was released in 2010. So what she did, like it's manslaughter, years? not murder, you know. So there's still there's still really a chance for her to have a normal life. She doesn't really pop up much. You can't find her a snapped episode anywhere. <laughs> Trust us, we've looked. Man. And if y'all sleuths of the internet can find it, holler at us. Right, because I'm just still trying to watch it. Um, you can't really find pictures of her. Or anything. Some people suggested that she changed her name. Got a new life. I don't know, man. <sighs> three years for murder, though? Manslaughter. Ha, three years for manslaughter. I really and, wonder how that looks on her record. Like, I mean, does it it's, say manslaughter so or is it just like a... Does she have a felony? Does she have to follow felony laws? I don't know. Like, does that not admission of guilt do something for you? It's got to have some benefit to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Three years is not a long time, but also you have to take into consideration. Like, if I think about who has a manslaughter charge, the twins have a manslaughter charge, and what are they? And they still got a lot of time. But it was also the nature of the crime and how big it was, and how the family reacts to it. And what did you do? How did you try to cover it up? She didn't try to cover it up. She turned. She tried to turn herself in. Yeah. And so, so they keep saying she trying. They keep saying, "Oh, but she fled the crime." And she's like, "I came right back before y'all even knew you needed me. I came back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?" So exactly. I, mean, I, I think that did. I was upset, but I came back. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um. All right, y'all. It is time for. Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. She did get away with it. <laughs> uh, she got to live with that, though. She do. She do. Honestly, she should have. It, it was not that deep. Niggas be getting mad and just want to grab shit, but you just, you, you, there's certain shit that you just shouldn't grab. An argument and a knife is one of it's them. one of those things. And I feel we've had a, a, quite a few cases where it's like, the knife. Oh, I just used. lost it and I grabbed the knife and just uh mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. grab a wooden spoon. Grab nothing. <laughs> grab a Bible. Grab grab a pillow. Walk away. Yeah. They just gotta learn how to count to ten. Grab your car keys. Nope, don't go don't go driving when you're mad. Grab a blunt. Grab something. <laughs> 
it just really seems like she was spoiled. It just it's it just, just sounds very spoiled and entitled, and I didn't get my way. And mm, like even that conversation with the brother afterwards was like whatever. Like she didn't give a fuck until shit hit the fan. Yeah, and then she and it was, was like, oh, this nigga's still in the dramatic. hospital. Which makes me feel like she was setting herself up like, oh, I lost my mind and went crazy. And I was basically having Like she was trying to plead insanity because I feel like, I mean, if you fresh out of law school, that's probably. That's probably you know what I mean? The, she somebody know asked to, She let her anger get the best of her. And I just, in no way was that situation or that argument worth all of this. And it's, it seems like they should have broke up a long time ago. And I get, I get it. Especially when you got that, like. You really got a hold on me. You really got a hold on me. But like, I don't know. And when you're fighting and you break up to make up, that's all we do. Oh, first you love me. Then you hate me. That's a game for fools. They like that shit. They like that shit. People like that toxic shit and then be they wondering do. why their life is so chaotic. Listen, you see the niggas on the uh uh Justin LaBoy that made some posts. I want I want this toxic sex with a healthy relationship. They love that shit. Calm down. Everybody do some work on yourselves. <laughs> do some work on yourselves. <laughs> it's all right. We all ha- we all have our heels to climb. <laughs> Okay, what's the next segment? That's it. That's it. No. Reviews. Parole or no parole. She's already out. She got away with it. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, reviews. We're here. We're here. We're here. This one says, this is the best. Yes, I'm so happy my sister recommended you. I enjoy you both so much. My 11-year-old son heard like five minutes of one of your episodes, and he was like, Ma, this is way better than the other murder podcasts you listen to. He isn't wrong. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, This one is from unsure underscore seven seven. Congratulations, ladies! You have started something big. Keep up the good work. That I don't know. Those little simple messages, like we did, we started something big. Listen, every time we get that nice little email, we be screenshotting to each other. Did you see this one? Like we both don't have email that same email pop up on our phone. Right. (laughs) But like, yeah, I read it earlier. All right. All right, y'all. That is the end of our show. If you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Sisters Who Kill. You can follow us on Instagram at Sisters Who Kill Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Sisters Who Kill Podcast. You can email us at Sisters Who Kill Podcasts at gmail.com. That's for ad space. That's for if you want to say hi, whatever you want to do. You can join the discussion group, answer all the questions, get in, answer all the questions, and then agree to the admin rules because there's those rules are important. Um, that's all I got. Anything else, friend? Talk to us. We talk back. All right. Bye. Bye.